The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas desert and energy industry who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. We hope you're ready to rumble because wrestling with the inner man begins now. Good evening, WWM listeners, and happy Father's Day to every dad out there. I know people have different feelings about this day because they have different relationships with their fathers. So I'd like to begin the show with a quote that I love from Dave Blankenhorn. And he says, as a father, the good family man is not perfect, but he is good enough to be irreplaceable. That bears repeating. As a father, the good family man is not perfect, but he is good enough to be irreplaceable. He is a father on the premises. He knows that nothing can substitute for him. Nothing. He would never consider himself not that important to his children. He is, in fact, essential. So you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be the guy on the premises, and you are essential to all of your children. And whether we like it or not, for almost every young man out there, dad is destiny. So we all have a very wide variety of experiences with or regrettably without our fathers. It can be a sensitive topic. And today I have a very special guest on the show who is willing to walk on this sacred ground with us and discuss his own experience in finally gaining the love he so desperately needed from his father. Buddy Griffin is famously known as the man with the banjo having performed the world over and been inducted into the American Banjo Hall of Fame. He was also awarded with the prestigious Jack Canine Award in recognition of his promotion, teaching, and advancement of fretted strings instrument. He has been a pastor for 50 years in some of the largest churches around the Houston area. And one of my favorite uh, attributes that he has, he's a tremendous bass fisherman. But most importantly, he's my very dear friend. Buddy Griffin, welcome to wrestling with the inner man. Thank you, Dave. Really looking forward to being with you today. Super. So, buddy, you know the name of the show, and this topic is one of the most prolific wrestling matches men face in every corner of the world, every country, every language. And in the Old Testament, the significance of the Father's blessing cannot be overstated. Why don't you give our listeners a little background on the relationship you had with your own father? Well, uh, my daddy was a product of the oil fields. He was uh, grew up with the greatest generation, very hard man, uh, very dedicated to his job, just like characteristics of that generation. Very tough. He, uh, uh, I didn't know what it was to have a dad. My dad used to beat me up all the time, and he never hugged me. He never kissed me. He never said anything good to me. Of course, I, I didn't know that wasn't normal, <laughs> you know, and uh, so I had I did everything I could to get out of the house. So I played all four sports in high uh, middle school, high school. I played basketball at U of H. I played eleven years of semi pro ball, and then music came into my life, and that's the one thing my dad could never say anything 
good or bad about. And I could hide in that. And that's how I'd, I began to develop a passion to play music. But I did everything I could to stay away from my father because it was such a dark, dank thing. Now, my mother, on the other hand, was just the opposite. I would, If she was there, I would stay in the house. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to throw rocks at my dad. He raised me that way because that's the way he was raised. Right. Right. So you and I became uh, connected just this year through a common relationship with Robert Lewis, mm-hmm. founder of Men's Fraternity, which is now known as the Better Man Program, or movement, I believe is what they call it. So why don't you tell our listeners about how you came to hear him speak back in March of 2005 at University Baptist Church, and what happened to you that day? Okay, I was uh, running a uh, family retreat, and uh, we had a very intellectual <laughs> NASA PhD that went to that, and he was telling me about this guy, this Robert Lewis guy, and he's taking this course called uh, Men's Fraternity and all that. And I was amazed at how excited he was because he never got excited about anything. And he said, we're having this uh, meeting uh, down at the University Baptist Church. So why don't you come down there on the morning? They have a good breakfast, and the guy that wrote the book's going to be there. So I went down there and not really knowing what it was, but my position in the church was I needed to know all kinds of programming because maybe we could incorporate it in a church if it, you know, but I didn't know a thing about Robert Lewis or men's fraternity. So I went down there and he was speaking and uh, he uh, uh, showed a picture on the wall and it was him with his three boys, but he was in the shadow. You could just barely see his sleeves rolled up. It's three sons. This is probably they're in their late teens. Right, and this is Robert's dad. Who's yeah, it's Robert's yeah. dad in the background. And Robert, Ro- Robert's a boy in the front. Yeah, he's okay. in the front. And he says, see, that's my dad. And you can't see my dad. He's there, but you can kind of see it. He said, that's the way we grew up. He was there, but he really wasn't my dad. So he spoke, and it was good, you know, and I'm listening to it. And so they had a break. And uh, I went up to the table. This is the way God works, all right? Just me and Robert Lewis. And I said, hey, introduce myself. And I said, uh, that that picture really bothered me. And I don't even know why I said that, but it, it had an emotional response looking at that picture because I said, that's the way my dad was. And he uh, asked me, he says, is your dad alive? I said, yeah, he's in a, a retirement center. And he said, uh, do you love him? I said, yeah, I guess. Does he love you? And he started asking me questions that really bothered me. And he said, I bet you have a father when I had no idea what that was. And he said, uh, this is what I nearly croaked when he told me this. <laughs> he said, are you going to stand by that casket one day and look in there and have all these unresolved problems and you can't solve them? That really bothered me. I said, well, what do you want me to do? I kind of hacked off. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you need to go talk to him about it. And I, I was never saved. I did everything I could to stay away from him. And uh, he said, go. I said, he said, what are you going to do about it? I said, I'm going to pray about it. He said, don't give me that. That's a church answer. What are you going to, if you're going to be a man, you've got to take action. And I, didn't have any, I had no idea what the biblical definition of a man was or any of that kind of stuff at that time. And so uh, he said, uh, you need to go see him. And I said, okay, I might do that. Anyway, I shook his hand. And after I came out, I said, you know, thank you. That really bothered me. He said, look, 
you got the father wound. I can tell by just what you've said. You need to do something about it. So the, exactly a week from there, I was one of the senior pastors at a big church, and I had a counseling session, uh, one of those sessions you don't want, you don't want to have. We were going to have to ask this couple to leave the church because of the theology was uh, contrary to what the scripture was teaching. And, you know, they had recordings. It was just a mess. And so I asked a friend of mine that's a professional counselor to come in and sit in there. And we're supposed to go from 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had to solve the problem. So we are prayed up. And so we get a call and it's just a couple and said, look, uh, we're not coming in. We're going to another church. So I had two hours and this, my friend is a PhD in counseling. And I said, Hey, you know, I met this guy named Robert Lewis. And would you go with me now? I got two hours. I can go talk to my dad. He said, man, you need to do that. You know, he had way bigger insight than I did. Mm-hmm. So I get in the car, I start driving over there, and twice I pulled over to turn around and come back. Wow. And he yeah. said, no, you're going. And I, I, and then yeah. I said, why am I doing this? <laughs> so we drive up there, I get up, go to his room, and I'm I'm really shaking inside because, sure. you know, uh, I didn't know it would be so emotional. So I walked in, and I knew he was going to be there. And uh, he was 95 at this time. And I said, Dad, I need to talk to you. What do you want? I said, I want, you never told me you love me. I want you to tell me you love me. He said, I love everybody. I said, Dad, I want you to tell me. And he kind of mumbled it. And I felt, I don't know why, but I just felt so relieved. <laughs> and then I said, Dad, you've never hugged me that I can remember in my life. Would you hug me? He said, men don't hug. I said, Dad, I need you to hug me. So he put his arm side by side like this and he gave me a hug and he said i'm leaving well he's in a retirement so where is he going <laughs> he walks out the door and my heart is beating so fast and i said dad i'm coming back and every time i see you we're going to do this now i was over there at least once a week at least once right. a week because i was right. a caretaker my sister's out of town and i was taking care of all that well man i began to go over there every week and every time, it got better. And on the eighth trip, I walked in. And he said, buddy, come here. He grabbed me and hugged me, and he was crying. He said, son, I, I do love you. And I do love you. And the dam broke. I was crying. He was crying. He apologized. He said, I just, I just didn't know how to be a dad, you know. And I'm thinking, is this real? Well, it, I cannot tell you how good it got. And so I'd go over there and see him, and he would take my hand in one of his hands and hold it and rub the back of my hand and talk to me the whole time. And I had a dad after 60 years. And we had a relationship. It got better. It was so easy. He was telling me he loved me. He apologized. I said, Dad, you don't have to apologize. You did what you thought you were doing. And was right and you're a great man and I love you and in that uh, time we grew so close and I began to realize what the father wound was but I was healed well that's a very emotional story and I can tell and I know you've told it a lot but gentlemen if you're listening out there and you have a father like this and there are many of you that do have the courage you know don't pull over the side of the road and turn around. You got to have someone go with you. I don't know what role you would call that person, but just someone who's there who loves and cares about you. It's kind of like, no, come on, I'm going with you. 
but it it must have been uh, it, it mustn't have been easy to be directly challenged by Robert Lewis. You know, when you're sitting there at that meeting, he goes, well, "What are you going to do about it?" And then you know that is the church answer. Well, I'm going to pray about it. And it's like, no, what does a man do? You know, and, and I think the way he challenged you with, "Are you going to sit there at the side of that casket and then?" just carry all that unresolved, you know, whatever that bag of horrible emotions is your whole remainder of your life because you can't resolve it once they're gone. So, uh, you know, we're, I mean, it's, it's scary. And, uh, you know, so you did it, you know, you went with a Christian brother in a supporting role, which can't be overstated to ask your dad for something that you've always desperately wanted from him. And it was awkward, but it got easier with every visit, right? Yeah. And I didn't even know I needed it. So what's the, what's the takeaway for our audience here? I I think it's like it's never too late, right? Because right. how old were you, were you at that time? Uh, sixty. Uh, You're like sixty. I'm in my sixties. I was it was it was six. Uh, it was sixty years when we got healed. Okay, and what happened is uh, his health began to decline, so we had to make a decision, and we put him in a different facility. And uh, was over there, and I'd go see him every day, and he would he would brag on me. He'd say, "This is my son, buddy. He plays the banjo." And he he'd talk to him about when I played in high school. <laughs> and he was so proud of me, but he had never said anything. Never came to my ball games. I scored forty nine points in a high school basketball game, and I got berated when I got home because I didn't get fifty. I could ne- I hated him. I didn't know I hated him. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be around him. I didn't want to talk to him. But I was the caregiver. I was telling him his finances. And Well, when we put him in that other place, we got a call. Uh, they called me, and they said uh, my dad was 97 at that time. And they said, uh, by the way, we had two nurses over there that were the greatest Christian ladies. And they said, we're going to take care of your dad. So we had him over there, and I'd go over there you know, again, you know, see him and all that type of stuff. And they called and said that your dad's had a real change in his health, and we're taking him to the hospital. Uh, once you go over there, and so by the time I got there, they had him in the emergency room, and uh, they said, "Look, he's got double pneumonia," and he said, "There's no treatment he could take. He couldn't take the treatment, and he, he's he's probably not going to make it." And so uh, they put him. Uh, I called my sister. They want to put him in the ICU uh, immediately, and so we did. And he stayed there uh, 16 days, and I'd go over there at least two or three times a week to see him. He just laying on his back, hadn't said a word. And then uh, I got a call 16 days later, and they said, uh, remember, he hadn't said a word. Okay. Right. And we were coming back from church on a Wednesday night, pulled the car in there, went up there to see him. I walked in there, uh, went to the nurses first. The, by the way, those ICU nurses are angels. Right. They have, My sister happens to be one, by the oh, way. Oh, I'll tell yeah. you that they are so wonderful people. And I walked in there, and he's laying on his back just like he was every day. I reached over and rubbed his head and kissed him on the forehead and said, I love you, Dad. And uh, he said, Buddy, I love you too, son. And my wife was there. I thought I imagined it. And she said, Did you hear that? And I said, And we started praising the Lord, and we'd over there and hugged him, never said another word. Took her hand, walked to the car, and I said, Sandy, he's going to die tomorrow. I just know it. I call it a holy hunch. I just get this impression. Well, they called me. At, I was at church, and they said, you, you need to come over here, your dad. So probably not going to make it much longer. Drove like crazy, got there, and I was holding his hand at 3.07 
when he took his last breath. And it was a glorious thing. I was so proud for him to get away from all those tubes and drugs. And and about uh, 10 days later, I did his memorial service. I'm so proud of my dad. I love my dad. And I got healed of the father wound, which I went to my pastor at that time. I said, Brother John, something's happened to me, and this church is full of men. I know they have the same thing. I said, we need to start a men's ministry. Well, I'm going to give you the whole story, but I was thinking if we could get 50 guys there, it would be great. We had over 500. Right, and and so that's where you and I have this overlap, you know, this quest for authentic manhood, right. you know, was the, the name of that 26-week program at the time under men's fraternity, and then the product at the end of it was to actually write, you know, your personal manhood plan. I went through that in 2005, uh, had this, you know, I had a good relationship with my dad, but I wrote him a poem, I went, you know, then he died in 2006. And uh, in fact, while I was away at a retreat that Robert Lewis was heading, you know, the Christ in the Tetons yeah. with my stepson. And so uh, just getting that reconciliation is so huge. And, and so you led this series at Sagemont over the next several years. Mm-hmm. So what what did you tell other men about the father wound when they said their fathers were already deceased. Well, I cannot tell you how many men I've driven to the cemetery if they're here in Houston. And I was waiting in the car to go over there, apologize to him, tell him what you want. I'd have him write it out. Mm-hmm. And I saw the most timid, passive men turn into animals <laughs> standing over the grave. Some of them were forgiven their father because they had not reconciled. Mm-hmm. Others were so much in love with their dads because they had reconciled. And uh, they would write it out, and uh, then we would burn the letter, pray, and burn the letter. I don't know how many, and how, I cannot tell you how many men would come up to me after they go through that and realize they got a son that they haven't talking, spoken to, and we would, where does he live? He lives in Dallas. I'd call the son. I said, look, your dad's made a big change. He wants to meet with you, take him to Hobby Airport. And just like a movie, you see them run towards each other and forgive each other and reconcile and love each other. Families got better. And one of the things, one of the products of having the father wound is I was so driven. You know, I, 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 I just, anything, I'm, I'm going to beat you. You tell me you're going to beat me shooting baskets? No, you're not. Because, see, that's how I got my pats on the back. I had to prove. And all the time, all those actions were, Dad, love me. Give me some support, Dad. Well, after I, we reconciled and all that, I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care if you could beat me. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, stories of, like, uber successful. Ted Turner is a good example, you know, I mean, because he had this similar father relationship. And, you know, he's like, well, I'll be so good. You know, you're, And you're always striving for that. You know, 49 points isn't enough. You know, uh, I was listening to this Jocko podcast. This guy's like a Navy SEAL, and he's yeah, done all this he, stuff. Yeah. And he, he has this great podcast, and he, he wrote this book. And then he calls his parents. He was excited. when they say, Hey, we just hit the New York Times bestseller list. And it was like, well, yeah, it's not whether you hit the list or not. It's how long you stay on it. You're just like, oh, thanks, Mom, <laughs> Dad. You know, it's just like, you know, it's so funny how – People admire that guy and hero worship that guy and everything. But, you know, the one person that you need the affirming word from that you can't get it. And uh, and it is it really does drive a lot of people in, in, in you know, negative ways because it, it's it's empty. It's like the, the pirates of the Caribbean. You know, they can never slack that thirst. You know, it's a curse. You yeah, know? Well, see, every boy asks this question. 
The dad walks out of the house. There's a little boy with a football out there. He says, Dad, watch. So he throws it or kicks it. Might not be able to, maybe seven or eight years old. What he is doing, he, he wants his dad to say, Son, I'm so proud of you. You're really going to be a great football player. The right. girl, now, if he doesn't get that attention from his dad, he'll get it from somewhere else. A girl will put on a dress and say, Daddy, look, I'm a princess. You know how those spin around. And all. Right. And she wants to say, Honey, you're beautiful and worth fighting for. And here's the scary part. She has to have that to live and be fulfilled in her life emotionally. And if she doesn't get it from her dad, she'll find some other guy that will give it to her. And sometimes it can be tra- tragic. Right, right. Yeah, it, it works for both ways. And we're, we're certainly not uh, – underestimating or undervaluing, you know, the importance of that and a daughter's relationship. And I have a very good relationship with my daughter. And and you see a lot of that acting out as well, you know, where they have uh, promiscuity because they yeah. aren't getting the affection and the attention that they need. So dads, you know, I'm going back to that quote I said at the beginning, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be the guy on the premises and, and, and you know, to you are irreplaceable to your children. So, buddy, you know, what, what closing thoughts or conclusions, you know, do you have for our listeners this Father's Day? Well, I'm an old man. I'm 81, and I don't have a dad. I did only for a few years. I had a dad physically, but those were the greatest years. And people would say to me, you sure have changed, buddy. <laughs> I wasn't so driven. I wasn't so hell-bent to be number one. It's fine. And my wife... Thank God for my wife. By the way, this month we celebrate 59 years. Wow. And she's everything I wanted spiritually. She mm-hmm. understood that stuff. And, you know, we had to, uh, I've seen men change. I've seen uh, uh, when they, that wound hurts and you've got to deal with it. And so there, the ways to do it and the way it starts with is forgiveness. And it's just exactly what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. You know, love God, ask him to direct you. But you need a little help. To how do you how do you how do you heal the father wound? But the one thing I would want anyone to know: it's never too late. Some of you guys listen to this probably have a son you haven't spoken to, or someone in your family you've had a big falling out. They're still your son. Do everything in the world, right. and you know. And I took some bad habits into fathering growing up, and I I paid the results with my son. A son, we're fine now. Mm-hmm. But, well, I, and I, I just want to echo that, you know, as well. And so uh, it's never too late and do it today. You know, don't put it off. Don't procrastinate because he may not be there tomorrow. Uh, so, you know, speaking of, of, of loss, you know, we have people that have uh, issues when their homes are destroyed by water damage or other things. And, you know, when all seems lost, remember, there are people and companies like Prism Specialties in the restoration business. Like buddies restoring these relationships with all those men that he took to the cemetery. I think that what an honor to be uh, in that role. But whether it's your electronics, textiles, or artwork that may have been damaged, Prism can help you restore and recover those valuables. And uh, please email us at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com to offer input, suggestions, or feedback on any of our programs. And I'd like to close with one of my favorite poems, and it's by an unknown author. And it's called The Sculptor. I took a piece of plastic clay and idly fashioned it one day, and as my fingers pressed it, still it bent and yielded to my will. I came again when days were past, the bit of clay was hard at last, the form I gave it, still it bore, 
but I could change that form no more. Then I took a piece of living clay and gently formed it day by day and molded with my power and art a young child's soft and yielding heart. I came again when years were gone. It was a man I looked upon. He still that early impress bore, and I could change it nevermore. God bless y'all, and happy Father's Day. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man. With David Savage, we believe the winners in this ring. Courageously follow God's word. Love and protect God's woman. Excel at God's work. Batters God's world and his children. For more information, reach out to David at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. That's wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling with the Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.